Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ever since I've started this podcast, people are always asking me for betting tips. I always get asked, who you got? Lakers or Clippers? Rodgers or Mahomes? And I'll always tell you what I tell them. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with MyBookie. MyBookie's rep is rock solid, and they've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my NBA-related bets. The one sportsbook guaranteed to give me the best lines for every single playoff game coming up in the NFL. We've got the NFC title game and the AFC title game on Sunday. Packers are hosting the Buccaneers, and the Bills are at the Chiefs. Going to be a really fun weekend of football, so make sure that you're betting with my bookie. You know me, and you know I don't give my stamp of approval very easily. You've got to earn it to be the best at what you do. Certainly not something Jim Boylan could ever say for himself. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. And Jim Boylan is not the best coach out there, far from it, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to MyBookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. All right, Bulls fans, it's showtime. Fire it up. Let's go. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome on into the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast here on the Hoop Ball Network. This is Greg Mraz, the host of this program. We've got a great show for you today. Danny Morang of NBC Sports Northwest. He is the Blazers post-game host on NBC Sports Northwest. He is going to join me to preview the Bulls and the Blazers upcoming on Saturday. Really looking forward to that conversation. We're going to talk a little bit right now about a couple of things. Number one, the Bulls game against the Celtics on Monday. They played terrible. I mean, the Bulls were just absolutely awful. Jason Tatum, we questioned whether or not he was going to play. He did play. He dominated. Jalen Brown, he also dominated. The Bulls were really never in this game. Boston was up eight in the first quarter, and the Bulls really never got back in the game. They never outscored the Celtics in any of the four quarters. Brown and Tatum combined for 50 of Boston's 119 points. And the Celtics just did everything well. They were over 50% from beyond the arc. They shot at 52%, 15 to 29. Meanwhile, Bulls were 17 of 39. Boston was 51% from the field. Chicago was at 47%. But outside of Zach Levine, who had 30 points on 11 of 19 shooting, the Bulls really didn't do much offensively. Lowry Markkinen, efficient game, 18 points on 7 of 12 shooting. Thad Young was solid off the bench, 16 points on 8 of 11 shooting. But the Bulls had a lot of inefficient nights from a lot of players. Patrick Williams, he only played 10 minutes. Patrick Williams is not playing his best basketball right now. Two points, one of four shooting. 
Daniel Gafford didn't score in 11 minutes. He got the start. Bulls turned the ball over 19 times compared to Boston's 13. Boston had 35 points off turnovers compared to Chicago's 19. That's a big difference. Bulls were plus four in terms of points in the paint, but it really doesn't matter when you're a minus 16 in points off turnovers. Boston's a good team, and they exploited the Bulls for being an inexperienced young team. And even with how well the veterans have played, the Bulls could not overcome it on Monday night. And so even with no Kemba Walker, they still found a way to get the job done and really handled the Bulls from the get-go. Chicago's largest lead in the game was four. Boston's was 22. That's all you really need to know. And that four-point lead was early. The Bulls just were never in this game, and sometimes those games happen. Boston's a better team, and the Bulls are not at the point yet where they're going to beat teams that are better than them. I am confident that they're going to play, for the most part, better against teams that are at their or worse than their level, like they did against the Hornets. But in a game like this, I didn't expect the Bulls to win. Even without Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown still could overpower everything that the Bulls have, even with Zach Levine scoring 30. And that's all there is to that. One other thing before we get into our conversation with Danny Morang. Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be evaluated in another four weeks. So we're not going to see Wendell Carter Jr. again for at least another month. And that's unfortunate because he was starting to feel more and more comfortable in this system and defensively he was playing really well. So I hope that Wendell Carter Jr. is back sooner than later. But at this point, you're going to have to trudge on without him and you're going to split a lot of that number five position playing time wise between Thad Young and Daniel Gafford. And I hope that we can get some consistent run from Daniel Gafford and see what he can do when asked to be the starting center. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, our conversation with Danny Morang of NBC Sports Northwest and the Blazers Edge, previewing Bulls and Blazers on Saturday. Keep it locked right here to the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Do you like free stuff? Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh yes, back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Brewski, is writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in the email newsletter, and you can sign up to get it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Aaron Brewski, straight to your inbox. And also, folks, we've got to tell you about the Fantasy Pass. Fantasy draft season is over, and you Brewski 150'd your way to a hell of a team. But the season has just begun. The Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 per month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel. We know you'll love it, but it's always nice to have that option. The Fantasy Pass has everything you'll need to dominate all year. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the HoopBall Discord server, where you all can hang out with HoopBall pros around the clock and get one-on-one help with your team. 
So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall. Welcome on back to the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast here on the Hoop Ball Network. Proud to introduce to preview the Bulls and Blazers on Saturday night, Danny Morang. He is the co-host of Blazers post game on NBC Sports Northwest, and he's also the host of the Blazers Edge podcast from SB Nation. Danny, thanks for jumping on the show, man. How you doing? Not too bad, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I want to start off with the biggest elephant in the room, and that's the injury <laughs> to CJ McCollum. How significant is the injury to what the Blazers want to do over the next two months? Because that's what it looks like this injury is going to be. And do you see this Portland team trading for anybody by that March deadline to bolster this club as they try and get into the top half of the Western Conference? Well, you started with biggest elephant. And I was going to immediately like lead to Yusuf Nurkic, you know, big elephant, big yeah. beast. Yeah, um, they're, I'll be blunt, they're screwed. I mean, realistically, they 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 don't have good options uh, to get that kind of production. I mean, you basically just said, "Here's 25 percent of your offense. Good luck going to find it." He had finally made that leap. That I'll be honest, I don't think anybody, maybe outside of that locker room, believed he could take into that next echelon. He was going to be an all star, and I've for five years said he's never going to make that leap. He's a good player. He's even a very good player, but he's not a great player. Um, you can't plan to replace great players. You could have uh, an emergence uh, like we saw from Gary Trent Jr. last year where I uh, legitimately if Gary Trent Jr. is a starting player and I think he's a starting caliber player, he's probably in that 15 to 18 point range. Uh, you've got Anthony Simons who has put back to back games together uh, uh, probably the best back back games of his career, young career so far, 16 points one night, 20, uh, 26 the next, um, where he's definitely got something there, but you don't just create a guy or fill in for a guy who's basically giving you 28, five and five. Like that's, it's insane production. It's Damian Lillard like production. There was two of them on the floor, you know, for most of the game or, or at least one at any given time. So Portland's just got to bail water. The, thankfully they've got some guards in, Trent Jr. and Simons, who can give you something in that regard and maybe get you close. The the irreplaceable thing is Yusuf Nurkic. Um, as much as CJ is the most valuable, second most valuable scorer, I'd argue that's, that Nurk's the second most valuable player. And that's his ability to be the backline defender to cover up for Damon CJ shortfalls on the defensive end um, and to be that secondary playmaker. That's, that's the bigger thing that that's going to be more difficult for them to, to replace um, not only, you know, for the next couple of weeks, but kind of going forward because Cantor is going to step in and do some things, but then you end up with, you know, mellow getting some minutes of the five because Covington's out with a concussion and, you really, you're just hoping you get from point A to point B, point B being post all-star break by, by a couple of weeks and that you're near 500. That's, that's the real goal. They're going to go on the six game trip and they're what nine and seven right now. They go two and four on this trip and they come back 11 and 11. That's a win. I mean, realistically, I hate saying that going two and four on a road trip is a win, but it kind of is with this team right now. It's interesting to me because this is the second time in his Blazers tenure that Yusuf Nurkic has had a significant injury. And you look at him and McCollum as the number two and the number three. So my next question to you is, Danny, who is now that secondary option behind Dame Lillard? Is it an anus canter? Is it a Robert Covington once he gets back from that concussion? Is it Carmelo Anthony at this point? So by reputation alone, um, it's Carmelo. Uh, his he's made 
half a transition to the bench in Carmelo's mind. He's still that dude to a lot of the young guys on the team. He's still that dude, but he's pretty washed uh, on the defensive end, even more so than I think people would, would think uh, offensively as a three point shooter. He's, I think he's hovering right around 40%, uh, 42% on catch and shoot threes. He can be a volume guy. He had a five minute stretch. Uh, against the Thunder where he went to Old Mellow and they just fed him for, I think, five or six straight possessions. He went four or five or five or six all on, you know, turn and fades. Meanwhile, they, the Thunder, you know, the worst three-point shooting team in the league went down and hit four threes to extend the lead. So it's how much can you give and take in that regard? And this is, I'm going to go back to the question that I didn't answer earlier, which is about them making a trade. And I, I kind of pocketed it because I figured you're going to go down this road. Portland is going to hold on as long as they can and not trade anybody until they have to at the deadline. They're going to see where they're at, where they stand, and then evaluate from there. They've got a couple pieces to work with to kind of to maybe fill in those patchworks. But they showed last year uh, when they they lost Zach Collins and Nurkic wasn't back, uh, and they didn't ever have Paul Gasol, and they were left scrambling. They had Mario Hazonia playing center. They had Anthony Tolliver playing center. It was that desperation that made them tell Carmelo or ask Carmelo Anthony to come play for them, and they told them. Here's guaranteed minutes. We will give you 30 a night. We will give you 15 shots. Please come play for us. I mean, that was that level of desperation that they got to. So Melo knows he's got him on a little bit of a leash. So with CJ out, with Nurk out, he, he Carmelo Anthony is, is going full on Dion Waiters. It's Carmelo Anthony time. He's telling himself that. Um, and he can do it in short spurts, but for Portland, both now and going forward, those minutes and those, those touches and those possessions really shouldn't be ending with him as frequently as they have been. Uh, they really should be investing in guys like Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons, giving Harry Giles a little bit of burn, um, Nasir Little a little bit of burn. Those are the things I think they're going to need to work through. Uh, Mello is, has got the gravitas. He's got the actual gravity on the floor and he can give them valuable things as a floor spacer, as an end of shot clock creator. Those, those things are still there, but when he's playing 30 minutes a night and most of those are alongside Ennis Cantor, there's no amount of offense that they can sit there and pour on that is going to be enough to consistently win them games. So it's going to be, can we get hot enough to just outscore teams and I don't think they have the guns necessarily to do that over the next 20 ish games with to the all-star break blazers are nine and seven to start the year and i feel like a lot of people thought that they would be in the top half of the western conference if not the top six is this team injuries aside underperforming expectations uh, i think to those expectations probably to mine no i had them between six and eight uh people here hate me for it <laughs> i just i'm to, to roll that back I've never believed in the Dame CJ backcourt as being a upper echelon playoff competitive grouping. I think they're both phenomenal players. Dame's a hall of famer. CJ is going to go down probably as a top four, top five player in this franchise's history. They're just the wrong guy at the wrong time. You need a Terry and a Clyde. You, you, you can't have a Dame and then almost as good a Dame. Like it, it just doesn't fit the, the way this roster is constructed is constructed is heavily reliant on those two for scoring and 
unimaginably reliant on Yusuf Nurkic to be this monster defensive presence and to run everything away from the rim, to funnel things away. And when you take him out of there, and I think Derek Jones Jr. And, Rod, uh, and Robert Covington have actually been really good, but they've had Carmelo Anthony behind them. They've had Ennis Cantor behind them. And when you've got those guys behind you, all of a sudden, any holes in the armor, they start becoming very, very apparent. And even going into the season, Nurk, I mean, he played, what, 12, 12 total games uh, in the bubble? And then he played, uh, well, I want to say, 10 games, 11 games here in Portland. I think all told, I think he got 24, 25 games with the preseason since he broke his leg in that grotesque fashion in March of 20, what, 2018? Yeah. 2019? Yeah, 2018. He's going to, he's almost three years or two plus years removed from it now. Um, it's crazy, but he he's the key to everything. As, as much as Damon CJ or the floor raisers, Yusuf Nurkic is the ceiling raiser. And without him out there, like they, if it was CJ injured and they, they still had Nurk and Nurk was playing like bubble Nurk like 18 or the 18, 12 and five monster that we saw in those eight games, they could realistically string 500 or better alive. Like they could get some contributions for, for some other guys, but they are just getting bludgeoned to death on the defensive end right now. And I don't think they're necessarily underperforming because they've lost their second most valuable offensive player and easily their most valuable defensive player and the, the team is built to be so reliant on those two of those three pillars that you take those away the guys underneath them no matter how good they are they still don't fit they're not the right puzzle pieces uh, and i think you can say that about most teams if you lose your second and third best players it's going to derail you pretty hard i think it does so with portland because they're so limited in their roster construction we're here with Danny Morang, co-host of Blazers Post Game on NBC Sports Northwest. Appreciate his time here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. You said that Covington's been good defensively, but he is having an abysmal year offensively. What is going on, especially with his three-point shooting? Because this is a guy that's been, for the most part, over 35% in his career from beyond the arc, and he's only shooting at 28% this year. From the field in general, he's only shooting 30%, and he's had four of his previous five years where he's been over 42%. What's going on with him on the offensive end? There, there's a lot. So when I when they made the move, I was, I was very much behind it. I still am. I think even if it backfires and blows them in their face, I'm still behind the move. It was a right move to make. Covington is exactly the kind of guy they've needed over the last four or five years. He struggled a little bit in Houston. And my thought there was, okay, maybe that's just, you know, he's not happy just being parked in the corner. He's not as involved in the offense. He's playing center, you know, those things. Well, then all of a sudden Portland parked him in the corner and made him play center. And <laughs> those things kind of reared their heads again. And I'm like, ah, well, maybe it's just, he just needs to get comfortable and find his way. And he looked like he was rounding into form four or five games ago. And I was like, okay, a little bit inconsistent, but he's knocking down shots. But now it's, I think part of it is the, the ball doesn't move as much as maybe he'd like it to. And I've noticed this with both him and Gary Trent Jr. Their roles in their pecking order changes on a nightly basis um, early so far in the season. And I think, again, this has to do with a lot with Carmelo Anthony being starter, bench, starter, bench, and, and where he sees himself in that pecking order and, and the, the ball stopping there. Uh, and I think it has affected those two guys, Covington and Trent, the most in that when they don't see the ball enough and then all of a sudden that ball hits their hands, they're just letting it go, regardless of whether or not it's a good shot. And there's something about this team right now, even before the injuries, 
where they just weren't firing on all cylinders in that regard, but they were still putting up points. That was one of those things was like, Oh, you can't really be too picky. They'll figure it out. Other than, you know, pre-injury, they'd only had one like really bad game. They, they got completely dusted. I should say two. They got dusted by the Clippers and they got dusted by the jazz on opening night. Otherwise they've been in and, and won just about every other game pretty handily uh, defense be damned. So you look at Covington and you're like, yeah, no, he's, he's at least giving you enough on the defensive end to where they're keeping the margins there. Uh, I, I want to say, give him a few more games, but he's coming off this concussion. We're hitting that, you know, not even quarter pole mark. We're hitting, you know, a third of the way through the season. It's got to be figured out here pretty darn soon. Otherwise you start to wonder, is this who he is becoming? Is he degrading? Is he not fitting in? You start asking the real questions. You're giving the benefit of the doubt for 30, 40 games, but, at that point, you're crossing the halfway point in the 72-game season. You got to kind of wonder, can you trust him right now? And then, well, Portland's right back where they were when they had Al Farouk Amino and Maurice Harkless and guys you can't necessarily trust on the offensive end. How much is this season going to take a toll on Damian Lillard? Because it feels like more than almost any season in his career, he's going to have to shoulder the load by himself if the Blazers are going to get somewhere postseason-wise. I mean, what he did in the bubble was insane. I mean, the 60-point outbursts, just literally throwing a team that had no business winning those games on his back and just crushing opponents. And Damian Lillard can do that. He, he can he can power up and flip that switch, and he can do it for – he did it for a whole month in January where he went ballistic. He was the not, not a uh, player of the week, player of the month candidate. He's had a couple of good games. He was the best player in the NBA for a solid six weeks. The stuff he was doing, we were all like, this is the best, best month of productivity we have literally ever seen from a trailblazer in, in the entire franchise's existence. Everybody I talked to, guys have been covering the team for 40 years. They were like, I've never seen anything like this. So he's used that energy before. I don't know how much more he has left. The man just had twins a week ago. It's COVID. It's and you could see him in the press conference uh, when when uh, CJ uh, came down and the announcement came out after that. He was he was pretty defeated. He, he, somebody asked him about it. You know how do you adjust? And he said it's just like this every year, man. And it's something different every year. And you can tell he's usually. I mean, he doesn't you know run from the media. He's, he's in fact he's probably one of the best there is in the league uh, is, is addressing these questions head on. But you could sense that the frustration and, and the irritability and in talking to guys around the league for really since Dame's been around, Dame has always been as committed to his teammates as any leader in the league. He doesn't just want to win. He wants to win his way with his guys. He wants to get everyone he knows on that team paid. If you ride with him, if you work with him, he wants you to be a part of it. That's what makes him. That's why people talk about him. as not just the best leader in the NBA, but the best leader in sports. It's not just all about winning. It's all about winning the way he wants to win, which is with his guys. And I think that can add an extra burden because now you, if you, if that winning starts to rise above winning with your guys, does that make a, a bit of a conflict in your basketball soul? Do you start seeing that basketball mortality come your way and go, maybe I need to change how I do this. Maybe I can't be as loyal to these guys and need to be more loyal to myself. 
And I don't think that'll be the case, but that's the question I've kind of been wondering because this, this trade deadline is probably going to be the biggest cross-section for this team in the Lillard era. Both him and CJ's contracts are getting ready to kick in. That's going to be a, a pretty prohibitive stance in the salary cap. Uh, you're essentially hitting them with, what, $75 million between those two guys. And if they don't make necessary adjustments at this trade deadline or going into the offseason – this is going to basically going to be the team that they have, or they're going to be limited to with the moves that they have with these guys. So I would expect over the next six weeks, Dame to turn it on, but it, for him it to weigh on him. And if they don't make the necessary moves, I could see a pretty serious adjustment in how he views things. Now, I don't think he's going anywhere, but I think there could be a, be a different uh, paradigm shift for him as far as how he looks at things. We're here with Danny Morang of NBC Sports Northwest, kind enough to join us here on the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. I know that we brought trades up at the beginning of the pod, and you just brought it up in that last segment. The New Orleans Pelicans have been rumored to trade a J.J. Redick or potentially Alonzo Ball. I know Shams put that out there yesterday, and Derek Jones Jr. was one of those guys that people were putting in the rumor mill to go back to New Orleans if the Blazers were to bring in Alonzo or maybe more preferably in this scenario, a Redick. But if you bring in somebody like Redick, that's only to win this year. Do you see either of those two guys as a fit? And I guess the second part of that question is, is Derek Jones Jr. a guy that they're ready to give up on if that's the case? So I'm I, obviously I love JJ. He's, he's one of the premier three point shooters in this league. I just don't see another guard uh, on this team, especially a, an offensive oriented guard. That's doesn't have the necessary size. And as, as counterintuitive as this is going to see, and I am not high on Lonzo. I never have been. I think you have to at least kick the tires on Lonzo because while the Blazers do have a lot of guards, Lonzo brings something in a regard as a defender and as a secondary creator, as a playmaker that Portland is missing. And Lonzo does have size. He's six, five and a half, maybe six, six, not the best foot speed, but they need somebody to run and initiate the offense in that second unit. I'm a huge Anthony Simons guy, but he's still developing point guard instincts. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is basically Wes Matthews pre-Achilles injury. He's a play-ender, a, a dogged defender, and a nightmare shooter from three. He's going to end up being probably like a 41 42% three-point shooter, which is kind of what you get from a J.J. Redick. So if you're looking at either of those guys, I could see Lonzo at the right price. I don't think Portland wants to move DJ quite yet, but the way his contract is structured – was basically like a higher end one year prove it deal um, to where if he played up to it, he could look to go somewhere else. If he didn't play up to it, he could look to go somewhere else. Um, Portland was in competition for DJ. They overpaid him a little bit because that's what you had to do in Portland uh, to get him to come to the, to, to the great Northwest, the pioneering town. Um, but they also told Derek that, they would give him more leeway. They let him have the ball a little more in his hand. They let him be a little more creative. And that was enough to swing him to come here and, and opt to not go to, to a couple of different places that had offered roughly the same amount of money. Um, I, I think they want to make something happen with him because he is only 23 years old. He is quite literally the best athlete this franchise has ever had. And that's saying a lot when you've had guys like J.R. Ryder and Clyde Drexler. Um, but he is just that explosive. And it brings an element this team has missed for so long. I, it would be very hard for me to see them move Derek for Alonzo. Now, 
if they were looking at a, a different deal, and again, I could tie this back to Chicago. I, I know Portland has looked at Levine. I know Portland has, has at least asked about uh, Markinen. Um, those are the kind of things I would think they would go to, but then you're talking about, you know, a McCollum Collins kind of deal, which kind of goes obviously away from DJ. Well, the interesting thing that you bring up there, and I hadn't really thought about this, Danny, is that Arturus Karnishevis, the Bulls' new president of basketball operations, was the guy that generated that Plumlee for Nurkic trade back in 2018. Yep. So this is a guy that's comfortable dealing with the Portland front office. And at least with Lowry Markin, and this is a guy on an expiring contract that they did not extend by that deadline. So he's a restricted free agent. And I'll say this. If Atlanta was going to give Bogdan Bogdanovich $18 million a year, somebody's going to give Laurie Markin in that type of money, and the Bulls don't want to pay that type of money. So if Chicago's not in it, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Markin gets moved, especially to a Western Conference team where you need somebody that can you know, stretch the floor, mm-hmm. be that seven-foot spacer that can pop out to the outside and make a three. He, by the way, is still the only freshman in the history of the Pac-12 to stand over seven feet tall and have a single-season three-point percentage over 40%. Don't ask me why I know that because (laughs) I just – I looked that up. But, Danny, I look at this matchup and I say this is a matchup where the two primary scorers are going to control the game. Yeah. The Bulls do not have a very good on-ball defender when it comes to guarding an elite guard. They got burned by Trey Young on opening night, and that was sort of the rhythm that we've seen when the Bulls have faced an elite scoring point guard. They're going to have a lot of problems with Damian Lillard, but a lot of people are having problems right now with Zach Levine. <laughs> what do you think is going to be the key matchup in this rematch? Because these two teams, they played it tooth and nail at the Moda Center earlier this month, and the Bulls had a solid fourth quarter, and they were down at the half. The Bulls mm-hmm. outscored the Blazers by 12 points in the second half. What do you think is going to be the key matchup in this game? The Bulls are not going to have Wendell Carter Jr., so that's one piece of the interior defense that is going to be missing, and the Blazers are not going to have Nurkic. They're not going to have McCollum, and more than likely, do you think there's a chance that they have Covington back by Saturday? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, seem like it. So yeah. what do you think is going to be the key matchup if the Blazers are going to get the win at the United Center? Well, the weird thing is, is, is Wendell had some – really had big highs and some really low lows in that game. Like he, he got an early foul trouble on some really ticky tack stuff. And then all of a sudden came back in and, and, and started bothering guys. And I was like, okay, okay that, that's more what you expect to see from him. Um, but I don't know, man, it's, it was such a weird game uh, from Portland's point of view. They, they really, they really dropped the ball. I mean, the way Chicago outworked them and that's Terry Stotts in the post game came out and said he, this team got outworked which Terry Stotts does not do that. He does not throw his guys under the bus. That's maybe the fourth or fifth time in what, nine years he has done that. And it's usually on games where the, the effort is not there and everybody can see it. Um, Levine is a problem. Uh, Levine is a bigger, more athletic, less shooting talented version of McCullough. Now they go about their games differently, but the way and the areas they score very similar. Uh, Levine obviously is up to his three-point rate. Uh, he's got that first-step quickness. He can blow by guys. Neither one of those guys could care less about playing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, 
but they're elite scores. They, they are, they are. I, I was talking to guys last year. Cause I, I, I had brought up again. I, I have wanted to trade CJ, not because I don't like him because I don't like the fit. I don't like six, one next to six, three. It just, it's too many problems. I had brought up the idea of trading CJ plus something because I had heard that this is obviously before the, the Levine stuff went public that Zach basically wanted out um, in that CJ plus something for Lowry and Zach at the time was like, yeah, I, I bet you Chicago be pretty looking pretty, pretty, pretty favorably at that kind of deal. It does something for Portland. You get a little bit younger, you get a little bit more athletic, you get a little bit of a better deal and you take a flyer on a guy like Lowry where, the coaching perhaps wasn't growing great for him early in his career. That is about as kind as you can put it, Danny. <laughs> we have had, we have had, we're doing this over zoom. And as Danny can see that I'm bald, please do not associate me with Jim Boylan. I, the last thing I'll ever want to be associated with is what I like to refer as the bad bald man, because uh, bad coaching is a compliment at that point. <laughs> well, just to, to be, let's highlight something here. The Blazers brought in Boylan in the offseason to help them install their new defense. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Are you enjoying blitzing on pick uh, and rolls? God, it's painful. Uh, blitzing with 6-1 <laughs> and 6-3. There's no amount of coaching that compensates for, for lack of size. I mean, in, unless you've got elite length, elite speed, elite instincts, which neither Dame nor CJ has. That, that's not their game. It's not like throwing them under the bus. That's just not who they are. They're, they're bucket getting monsters. Um, and I think Levine is, is taking the step that CJ took this year, but Levine's doing it earlier in his career. And I think that's the big thing here in that I've always liked him. I, I know he's had some issues as a, as a younger guy, as far as staying motivated and staying engaged in games. But also I think a lot of losing will do that to you. Um, I am a huge, huge Kobe white guy. I love Kobe. I, I think he can be a absolute stud as a spark plug guy off the bench. I don't know if he's ever going to develop the, the point guard instincts to lead a unit, but I love his ability to get downhill. And he is him and Levine, to be honest, are the exact kind of guys who get downhill, who will murder this Blazers team without Yusuf Nurkic, without Covington, with Carmelo Anthony. Rod, here's, here's, let me go ahead and paint this picture for you real quick. Rodney Hood, Carmelo Anthony, and Ennis Cantor all go in the paint. And then what? Well, that's exactly what happens. And they, they stand there and they can't move. Cantor, it's not for lack of trying. He tries. He just has two left feet defensively. Mello doesn't care. Hood's off Achilles surgery. Like it is the least athletic, least mobile front court in the NBA that gets actual minutes. And if you look at the cleaning the glass numbers, if you look at the NBA.com numbers, it is a bloodbath. They don't do anything well except for offensive rebound. And that's because Cantor is Pac-Man and he gobbles up everything chicago have like 23 against the thunder the other night 23 total i think he had 20 23 or 24 he 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 is a monster and the thing is canters i think is listed at six six eleven and this is like six eight and a half six nine maybe on a good day he is just zach randolph is the same way kevin loves the same way these guys just read the ball and position and know how to use a big butt to clear out all the space in the world legally 
and then and read it and get to it before anybody else because neither the, none of those guys are elite athletes none of them have elite wingspans they just get there and Cantor, for all of his shortcomings he will do a couple things for you defensively he will give a damn which at his size it matters it's enough to, to bother some guys he will rebound he will screen and he will roll and he will finish like you can count on him to do those things but a team like Chicago, as quick and young and as athletic as they are, if you get Ennis or Mello out above the free throw line, they are done. They are cooked. You're relying on Gary Trent Jr. to come all the way in from the three-point line. They've been doing a ton of 2-3 th- and 3-2 zone, and either Derek Jones Jr. or Gary Trent Jr. has been at the head of that zone. And that's the d- d- deny point of attack. But now you're relying on guys who are not quite as a fleet of foot and mellow or uh, Rodney Hood coming in from the corner to help after a bad rotation. Neither of those guys are getting there. Derek Jones Jr., if he's above at the point of attack, now he can't be the chase down guy going over the screen and, and forcing the action one way or the other. He's got to make sure to stay in front of the ball. And so if you're looking for Chicago to, to, to have some action in this game, Getting things going side to side, then to the middle of the floor, like you would with any zone, but more than anything, pulling Portland up ever so slightly. And, and then once you've got the inside game going, hit those corner threes. The Portland Trailblazers, even before Nurk and CJ went down, had contested the least amount of field goals in the entire NBA per game. And that's not a pace adjusted stat. That's it. That, or excuse me, that's a pace adjusted stat. They are not able to contest because the guys who are often in stuck in rotation are 6'1 and Damian Lillard, 6'3 and, and uh, CJ McCollum, 6'4ish and Gary Trent Jr., who's sliding up to the three, or a 6'8 Carmelo Anthony, who just doesn't care. So it's, there are multiple ways you can beat the Trailblazers right now. The worst thing you can do is try to get in a track beat with them and try to match them three for three, because this team will live and die by the three. They are shooting more threes than any other time in, in this franchise's history. At last check, they're at 44 a game. They're, they're hitting at a 38% clip. I mean, they are, they are lights out from three. And if you let them get, and I've, I've set this kind of number artificially, if they get 16 and a half threes, they cross the over, you're probably done. You, they're, they're just going to keep raining them down on you. But if you can run them off the line and force them to, to try to attack the paint where they are atrocious, it, as good as they are at the three-point line, they're the worst interior finishing team in the league. So it kind of plays into a team like Chicago's hand. And I would not be surprised at all if Chicago grabbed another victory against Portland. And I can't remember the last time Chicago swept Portland in a season. I can't remember the last time that the Bulls swept a Western Conference <laughs> opponent that wasn't the Minnesota Timberwolves. It seems like it's been forever. But uh, you make a you bring up a good point in terms of contesting the shots because Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum six one six three, Larry Markin in seven feet, Patrick mm-hmm. Williams is six nine, Otto Porter is six six, Garrett Temple is six six. Mm-hmm. These are guys that can hit from the outside that have significant size advantages on these Blazers guards. And while, yes, Enos Cantor is a guy that may actually end up winning a lot of rebounding battles because with no Wendell Carter Jr., Cantor is going to school Larry Marketing all day. But I still also feel like this is a Bulls team that doesn't necessarily need to win the rebounding battle in order to win the game. The Bulls were actually in the first matchup a plus nine on the boards against the Blazers. But what you're you're talking about in terms of the lack of interior defense, when you say that you have, you know, Hood, and 
why am I spacing Hood and Cantor and Mello at the and Mello that they, they can't move? Yeah. That's when Kobe White and Zach Levine are just going to drive to the hole and eat your lunch. And if yep. they double down, you've got a bunch of guys that can make shots from the outside. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised, but the Bulls have also been known to have significant <laughs> letdown games. And this yeah. is a team that's developing. It's going to take time, but the coaching certainly is an upgrade from where it's been. Final question here for Danny Morang of NBC Sports Northwest. You can also catch him on the Blazers Edge podcast. Download, subscribe, review, give it five stars. I always want to make sure that all of our guests have a five-star <laughs> review on their own podcast. This Blazers team, I was looking at this and I was very surprised. They've won a lot of close games, and you alluded to that earlier. Mm -hmm. But other than the game against the Thunder and other than the game against the Bulls, Every one of their losses has been by at least 15 points. Yep. <laughs> Why does it seem like when this team loses, they get blown out? They, they, they don't have any room for error. If you go back and look at those games, with the exception of the Utah game, where they, they just looked awful. I mean, it was the first game of the season. Nurk had been uh, in country, I think, for like four days. Uh, like they, they, guys clearly weren't in shape. Uh, CJ had just gotten married. Um, Dame was what probably three weeks removed a month removed or a month before having kids like COVID everything. Like it's just, it wasn't good um, outside of that game um, and the Clipper game. Uh, I think those are the two, you know, quote unquote excuse games. Um, the rest has been wild volatility in their defense, which starts with one effort, two effort, three effort and four uh, well effort and rebounding. And which is weird because Terry Stotts has never had a team where you question the effort talent. You can question, but effort. No, well, I should take this. They've never had anybody on this team who got cons consistent or significant minutes that you could question effort, not named Carmelo Anthony or Maurice Harkless. Those two guys have been habitual defenders in their, in their, their different times in Portland, but that, that's just something that just didn't happen. Um, Dame had questionable effort in a couple games. CJ had questionable effort in a couple games. Nurk got yanked. But Nurks had a not only coming off the injury, he's lost his grandmother to COVID in the summer um, in the bubble uh, that hit him hard. And he's dealing with some other stuff back home. He literally training camp was, was long underway. He, he arrived late from Bosnia and had to wait uh, and clear uh, COVID protocols. And he's still dealing with that. He's got some stuff weighing on him right now. So he had a little bit of an excuse. Um, not even a little bit. He had an excuse. Um the rest of it has been a lot of effort, a lot of effort related stuff. And, and it's, it's kind of funny that the new guys in, in Covington and Jones Jr. Those are the, probably the two guys you could question the effort, the least of, um, which is kind of weird. It's usually the other way around. You, you got to get everybody to, to elevate to that level. But Portland has not put together a full game outside of the Laker game where they handled a, a Laker team that was very much engaged. LeBron was out for blood the first half and Gary Trent jr. Came in and played his butt off Dame CJ, uh, Nurk. I mean, everybody just looked right. CJ had what, 11 assists in that game. Yeah. It was insane. Like it was a game where it wasn't just like they got the best out of everybody. They just played the way they needed to play. Uh, and this team really, this has been a one, one knock, I would say on the Stotts Lillard era. They have said we can't just flip a switch probably every year, which is kind of a problem. Like, clearly, you know that, but yet you say it every year because you keep running into the same issues of, oh, we're good. You know, you get a little too high on your own supply. Um, and that's 
probably part of this, but, and I hate saying this because I love Stotts. I genuinely do. I think I love Stotts dude. And I think he's a good coach. I think he's a top probably six, seven coach in the league. I, I question not that it's toxic, but if after eight plus years, the same voice isn't getting through as well as it did before. Um, I don't know if maybe they, they need somebody in, in the coaching staff who's a, a bit of an a-hole to come in and just kind of light some guys up like an assistant coach Tibbs kind of a deal. Who's, who's going to be the, the grinder um, and not to go full Jim Boylan. Not, we did that already. No, we don't need that. We don't no, need that. But to, to bring just cause Terry's a player's coach. He is. I mean, and he he's, I mean, he'll bark, but more often than not, he's just a big tear bear. So it's, it's one of those things where you're just like, I don't think that's the case, but it's that that's the idea that kind of that light bulb. It's, it's not on, but it's flickering over my head. Like, uh, do they need to make some kind of change in that regard? Does somebody need to come in and kind of light them up a little bit? Or is that incumbent on the players to do that? I don't, I, I don't know. Just something just doesn't feel right. And it's trickling onto the court and is, 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 it's impacting their effort. Danny Morang, thank you so much for your time. Before we let you go, please plug your platform so everybody here on the hoop ball audience can listen to you and uh, catch your work. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, at Danny Morang across all social, please follow me on, uh, on YouTube more than anything. Cause that's the one that, that you know, that actually makes me money. So <laughs> uh, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, on IG, across all platforms, you can find me on blazers edge. Uh, obviously I host the podcast there. I'm the lead analyst there. Uh, I write every now and then, but mostly it just angers people because I ask questions that people don't like. Uh, and let's see. Oh yeah. Also on the post game show on NBC sports Northwest. If you're in region or if you have a VPN, not that I would suggest that you can watch me following every game. One of our sponsors is express VPN. So, Hey, there you go. go perfect hey, tie-in. So go catch him. Go catch him. <laughs> Danny Morang. Thanks again for your time. We'll be right back to wrap it up after this here on the hoop ball, Chicago bulls podcast. Support for Hoop Ball comes from Manscaped, who offers the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Happy New Year from Manscaped, who offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is here to help you have clean balls for the new year. Ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Happy 2021. Spoiler alert, hairy nuts are still gross. Step into the new year with the tree standing taller and shave your boys. Manscaped is here to give you a New Year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The Perfect Package 3.0 is the the below-the-waist grooming package you need to start off strong this new year. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawn Mower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. It's also time to freshen up down there in the new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Start the new year with a fresh set of testes thanks to Manscaped. Bring sexy back in 2021. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That was an absolutely awesome conversation with Danny Morang. He is an absolute blast to have on the show. I hope the next time the Bulls and the Blazers play, which is not going to be this season, 
but I hope that in the future we get a chance to have him on again. That dude loves his team, he loves his city, and you can tell the passion that comes across in him when he talks about the Portland Trailblazers. That is his team. He lives and dies with that team, and that's the type of content that we want on the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. We're going to say goodbye for now. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and as always, Go Bulls! This has been a Hoopball presentation. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.